Welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter. Ideas shape markets. Ideas can change the world. Think about it for a second. You're running a company. You're running a division of a company. You're running a program. And at the end of the day, you have to find the right people, put them in the right process. Hopefully it's a measurable one. Provide them the right tools. And then align them with your purpose, your vision, and get them to do something that creates organizational value. That is leadership. And that is management in a nutshell. Now, that whole process is the core to your value proposition. So you're running a business, you're running a department, you're running a program. And I, I got a question for you. And the question's is if you have to go out and transact with somebody to help you solve a business problem or buy a tool that helps empower that problem, uh, the solution to that problem, who do you want to deal with? What do you want them to know about? About you and about that process I just talked about. Because at the end of the day, you're not buying a tool you're buying an outcome. And do you have a process for buying? So you're going to be in relationship with someone. I'm going to let you define who that is and the characteristics of that person. Because you're going to deal with a person, not just a company. What do you want them to know about you and your process so you can get to the end of the process in a successful way? So welcome to, the, to today's great conversation. And I'm really pleased because I was able to get a hold of Steve Caton, who is the founder and CEO of Alteza. Steve, welcome to the great conversation. Uh, Ron, it is great to be here. Uh, really looking forward to this conversation. Well, what did you think of the opening? I love that. I, I it's so so well said. I mean, it is uh, success is uh, you know it's always rooted in you know the things that you talked about there. There's process, there's systems, there's people, there's vision, values, and all that working together that drives success. And you just articulated that so well. Well, and it's complicated, right? So, Steve, uh, for everyone's uh, knowledge, the reason I open this way is primarily all of you listening to this today, they, you are that person. You're going to have to deal with someone and you're going to ha have to answer the questions. So let me help you through this conversation with Steve. Think about what that person should look like, the company behind it, what kind of process they should have. So Steve, let's go into that. You've learned a lot. You've been highly successful in sales. You helped one company go from nothing to 70 million in a successful uh, value-based transaction. Um, and now, now your company steps in and provides all sorts of help, not only helping define the sales process, defining the characteristics of a salesperson, uh, but also how to engage the customer the right way. So help me go through as you think about what you call the sales operating system, step through it with me, what that should look like. 
Yeah, the sales operating system is um, is a, a you know a term, a terminology that I think a lot of people um, aren't quite familiar with. You know, when you they think about sales, we often just think about uh, salespeople uh, who are very um, uh, you know they have the gift of woo. They're very engaging and relational, right? And uh, those salespeople, because they're diligent and they're relational and they know how to connect with people, then they make things happen, and that is true. But what um, what I've learned in my you know thirty plus years of doing sales is that you if you have that kind of talent that sales talent operating within the the systems and processes that need to be in place as well then you have effective sustainable sales um, and so we talk about the ten ingredients that make up a sales operating system. And it begins with company vision and culture. And uh, some people are surprised to hear that, Ron, I know you won't be, but you know, if the, uh, the really good salespeople who have a high integrity, they care about the why of a company that they work for. And they care about what is the reason that that company exists and what they're trying to do in the world. Um, and so if they're, if they, if they're rooted in that, then they're going to be much more successful. And then it flows to things like brand identity, target personas, the, the buyer journey, and then sales funnel process uh, strategy and the systems and all the things that go into that. So all of that is what makes up a sales operating system. And when that is healthy, and then you plug in that talented salesperson into that system, now some really exciting things can happen. Yeah, in the old days, I used to tell CEOs they needed a integrated sales and marketing platform. And I like your description a lot better. It's a, it's a sales operating system. But uh, let's talk about that for a second. Let's move our perspective again to how I open this conversation. So why is it important to the buyer that you... that 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 the that the salesperson and the company behind it has such an operating system. Why would that be important to the end user? Yeah, that's a great question, Ron. Because I think in a lot of cases, um, you know, when we're building something like that, we're not necessarily thinking about the end user and how that you know applies to them. But here's what here's what happens for them when these things are in place and they're all connected. And that is they have a they have an experience with your organization that feels completely different from the experiences that they're having with most of the other people, if not all the other people that they're talking to. And why is that? It's because your experience that you're creating for them is rooted in something that is much bigger than a commodity. So in a lot of sales experiences, what we are dealing with is just a commoditization of products and services. And so it's just, hey, tell me what it costs. Tell me what it does you know, where do I sign or, you know, what's the difference between you and XYZ company? Um, whereas in this, in this journey, what you, what the buyer experiences is literally a journey where they understand what it is that you're trying to accomplish for them, what problem you're solving for them, why that problem, you know, makes a difference in their lives, what solving that problem can do for them, and then why that matters. Like they just, there's a DNA kind of, piece that comes out in the conversation and a value piece that comes out in the conversation that feels completely different to the buyer than the commodity conversation they're having with just about everybody else. It also, if, and, and 
you know, the, the challenge for great salespeople and any salesperson is like a relationship, like dating. You're not going to get to the truth on day one. You're going to have to set, begin laying the pillars of a trusted relationship to be able to get to the key data that the buyer wants you to know, but may not trust you to know. Correct. And, and, and so how do you teach salespeople and companies that it's worth the time, the time to put those pillars in place? Well, we, we are always talking about sales as an investment and not an expense. Um, too many times as business owners and in leaders and companies, we look at sales and marketing uh, as a line item in the P&L as opposed to an investment. And so the mindset has to begin with investment. And we have to understand that the long game is the right game to play here. And patience is going to pay off. Um, I love the uh, I love the Navy SEALs statement of slow is smooth and smooth is fast, because what it basically is saying is that if we do things the right way, things are going to go much better for us. And so we we always begin our conversations by helping the business owner understand that sales is an investment that you've got to be patient and you've got to build this foundation correctly. And then to your point, your salespeople have to understand that you are here to serve people. And if you, you can't serve them by selling them right out of the gate, you can only serve them by listening and understanding what the true nature of their challenges and problems are and what it is going to take to solve that challenge and problem. And then you have to be okay uh, if your particular solution isn't really the right one for them. Um, because again, if you're there to serve them, then you're going to get them pointed in the right direction, whether that's your service or product or not. Um, and so that whole, um, that whole kind of approach and mentality requires us to exhale and, and take things more slowly. But the beauty of it is if we do that and we do it well and we do it consistently, then the sales growth that we're going to experience is going to be remarkable. Okay. So business owners, do you hear that? Hiring the miracle salesperson who on day one starts hitting his numbers, not going to work. It's not going to work. It's going to take the long game. That's what Steve is saying. It's in a beautiful way too, because he's, he and I had discussed Jack Carr's books, who um, is a former Navy SEAL and and uh, and I actually brought up that quote because Steve was preaching this before he used that Navy SEAL slogan. He was preaching it, words you know, words uh, uh, articulated in a different way. So now we have an interesting dilemma. And Steve, in your experience, how do business owners then navigate that dilemma? How do they actually trust that slow is smooth and smooth is fast? You know, I get this question a lot when we have this conversation with business owners. The two things they ask is, okay, how how patient do I have to be, right? How long is it going to take? And then what do I look at? How do I know it's working in the meantime? 
Um, and so on the first question about the length of time, I can tell you that, you know, from the years of experience I have in sales, which is more than I want to admit, because then I have to come to groups of my age. But the bottom line is um, what I've seen pretty consistently is that the first, you know, three from months, three to six is really when that salesperson is getting their sea legs. They're really gaining confidence. Doesn't mean that they're not actually closing some business, um, but they are really in the ramp up stage. So you're ramping things up in that kind of, you know, three to six month period. And then from months six to 12, that's where you should start to see real acceleration and uh, real predictability, um, you know, in, in the results. And it, it'll vary, you know, it depends on the business model. Some, it, it all kind of ties to the sales cycle, Ron. So every, every business has a little bit of a different sales cycle. Um, some are, you know, three to six months, some are six to 12 months, some are even longer than that. But in general, these are the kind of timeframes I tell people to prepare for. Um, and so what do they look at? In the meantime, to know, okay, we're on the right track. This is working. And that's where having metrics, sales metrics are so vital. And it really comes down to activity. And you're looking for signs of the activity that the salesperson is engaged in. And then you're also looking for, um, you know, basically activities beginning to lead to the outcomes uh, that we're looking for. And so this would be an example. So activity would be called emails, meetings, proposals, um, things like that, that the salesperson is, is engaged in. You should obviously see those metrics increasing over time. That activity is going to lead to deals being in your sales pipeline. So you should see new deals beginning to show up in that sales pipeline. And then you should start to see those deals moving through the different stages of the sales process. So those are the kinds of things to be looking at in that period of time while you're waiting for things to ramp up. And if you see that happening, then you can kind of relax and know that we're getting to the destination that we're all hoping for. If you don't see that, that activity leading to the, some of those shorter term results, then that's when it's time to start evaluating, okay, do we have the right person in the right seat? Are we, is the messaging correct? What's wrong? Like what's not working? We can dive into those details a little bit more and do some analysis of it, but you have to have the metrics to understand what questions to ask. So those are the two kind of answers to those questions that, uh, that I share with business owners. I know you, um, in dealing with business owners, I know you try very, very much so to say, if I'm going to engage with you and we're going to make these things happen, I need to do an initial assessment. So what are the key things you're doing in that assessment that will allow you to create the right kind of customer journey, the right kind of metrics so that you can be successful with them? Yeah, I, you know, the, when we were talking earlier, you had um, asked me about the sales operating system. Um, and so with the assessment that we do, we call it our sales pulse assessment. We're essentially getting a quick snapshot of the condition of that sales operating system. So we're looking at some of the key ingredients of that sales operating system and what exists today uh, that we have to work with. And if someone is literally like, if there's nothing there, then I think it's better to advise them to go to work on building some of those foundational components before they hire a salesperson. Because if they plug in a salesperson too soon, 
then it's not going to go well. So what we're trying to get a sense of is, you know, what is there currently and what needs to be beefed up in the short term to really start to get some results and what are the things that we can work on in a you know longer term situation. Yeah, on your um, on your website, Steve, it talks about kind of th three things you look for. I, I, obviously, you look a, for a lot of things in a salesperson, whether they're working for you uh, as uh, as a uh, I'm sorry, I forgot the term, uh, a partial salesperson. Yeah, fractional sales fractional, pro. Fractional, yep. which I love. We're not going to get into. We'll do that at a later date but basically steve's business model is you know maybe even before you hire someone new you let us come in on a fractional basis a borrowed basis and really implement the os in a right way um i i love that uh but going back you you i i loved it because three you have to see three main things in a salesperson so if you have the sales operating system and you know the company vision and the and and there is a culture or one that can be fostered and a sense of brand identity and target personas if those things occur then you look for three things can i identify a sales person who's going to engage my ideal client and really want to be in relationship with them you need an emotional iq that's one of the things you pointed out you need experience in implementing that emotional IQ toward targeted goals, and you need passion in what you do. Tell, tell, tell me, tell me how hard it is to find that in a salesperson. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's not it's not rocket science, right? I mean, it, it really isn't. But it, there is a, an art and a science to it because um, you know, like you pointed out, great salespeople they take their time to get to know their customers uh, business as well as their needs and their desires and so you've got to have empathy you've got to that has to be kind of intrinsic and in a good salesperson is to have empathy um and then you know obviously the ability to communicate is very important we've got to be articulate in how we communicate um, but then with uh with salespeople, the other thing you want to look for is hunger um, and so that's the piece that is a little bit hard to find or hard to surface is how hungry are they? Um, and I don't mean hungry in terms of just being motivated by money. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we all, money does offer a lot of uh, benefits for us. So that's okay. But it really is more about the enjoyment and the satisfaction that comes from winning. Um, and so you want to look for people, uh, salespeople, a great salesperson is going to have a good, strong empathy great communication skills, and then this hunger to win. And winning means winning for them, winning for the prospect, winning for the company that they represent. Um, and so those are, um, those are the things that are, you know, uh, you gotta, you know, it's more than just a resume that's gonna tell you whether those things exist. You really have to dig in and get to know the person. So if you take a representative sampling of people who've been in sales for, let's say five to 10 years, cause that's what you look for, yeah. Um, what percentage of salespeople you think have those attributes today? 
Wow. Well, you know, there's a, there's kind of a, a unfortunate statistic out there that talks about how I think it's roughly 65%. It might even be higher than that uh, of people in a sales role are there by accident. In other words, they weren't, that isn't the role that they plan to be in. They got there because that was the job that was available or they just, you know, were asked to do it. So just that statistic alone would suggest that there's a lot of people in the role that don't belong there. So if you just now look at the other folks who are kind of wired as salespeople, um, you know, I think the 80-20 principle applies here, just like it does in so many other situations, Ron. I think if you look at the, uh, you know, the, the broad, you know, community of salespeople, you know, you got about 20% of them that would fit that characteristic. So, uh, Steve, what I love about this conversation, again, is I'm thinking about my community. At the same time, I'm thinking about the business owners that, of course, you know, I've consulted with on their overall company strategy and their ability to execute to that strategy to create valuable companies. So I'm thinking of both these audiences, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm uh, you know, this, this is really going to sound interesting. Um, and everyone knows that I do unscripted great conversations. So they know I'm throwing you a curveball here, but I, there's part of me that wants to teach clients how to buy salespeople. That is how to interview for a great salesperson before you go on a journey with them, which is, if you think about it, totally backwards. Because most, most clients begin with, what are the products out there I need to buy to get me to do this one thing? Instead yeah. of saying, well, before I do that, what kind of company and salesperson do I want to talk to to achieve my goals? Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. so, and of course, part of your assessment is understanding the customer journey. Do you, do you just ask them about the customer journey, your clients, or do you actually go out to their clients to understand how they're buying? Well, it, uh, we, we do a little bit of both. So part of it is asking them to describe their kind of customer journey that they've created. And we kind of walk through, okay, tell me what, how, how does somebody engage and what are the different steps, you know? So we'll try to get it from the client perspective for sure. And then uh, one of the things that we do, and this is, uh, this is really a critical part of the onboarding process as we bring in a new sales pro is we have the salesperson actually talking to existing clients finding out about their journey that they went through to make the decision to do business with with that with that company and so we and we'll ask them okay so tell us about the journey you went through why did you decide to do business at what point did you make that decision and what kind of swung it for you what was the kind of the the key factor that said to you these are the folks you know that we want to work with and so you get to hear it and uh in a much different from a much different perspective when you're talking to the clients um because they will tell you things that you don't even know are true about your, <laughs> the, the buyer journey you've created uh and you get some incredible uh feedback from that so we think it's really important to take uh, to have the conversation from with both parties, with the client who's built the sales process and buyer journey, and then with those who have actually gone through it. Uh, and one final thing, because you mentioned hunger, and you're absolutely right. Most of my community would read that is they want meat, and they're going to get their meat. They're going to get their win, hell or high water, 
Yeah. They'll do anything. They'll bend the rules. They'll manipulate to get that win. Yep. And I don't want my community to read it that way. So I, I if you don't mind, because we're in this great conversation, you know, I often quote on these broadcasts, uh, Henry David Thoreau, way back when in our company's history, a uh, country's history. And he said, most people live lives of quiet desperation. Hmm. And that is, they don't know the why behind their actions and they're miserable. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so I think what you're saying is they have a hunger for excellence in serving and really wanting to know the customer's process, their journey, their requirements, their the impact on people and processes if they buy from you. They really want to know that because they know if they know that really well, they'll stand out and quote unquote win. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. You, you said that really well, Ron, and I, and I appreciate you reframing that in a way that doesn't come across it. Yeah. It, we don't want that kind of hell or high water type of a salesperson that is going to just try to close the deal at any cost. That is not what I mean by hunger. Uh, what you described and articulated is perfect. I, and I can, I think of stories uh, with salespeople I've led over the years, <clears throat> specifically at a software company I worked with for years, where there would be as much celebration about helping um, helping a leader choose a solution that was right for them, even when it wasn't our solution, because those our salespeople truly cared about helping. So winning for them was serving somebody. And if that meant they were doing business with us, well, amen, that's great. But if that meant that they pointed them in another direction that was going to be better for them, we celebrated those wins too. Um, so that's the kind of hunger I'm talking about. It's the, what you said so well, hunger to serve and hunger to help people find the solution for the problem that they have. And that, my friend, is a drop the mic moment we can end on. This has been a great conversation with Steve Caton the CEO founder of Alteza. Steve, thank you. Thank you, Ron. This has been great.